So glad that you're here. My name is Ryan. Um, I just want to welcome you. We're going to have a great time today, man. Amen. And just on that note, this is one of those churches where you're allowed to respond to the person who's preaching on stage. So when I'm like saying something you agree with, you can say amen. Or if something touches you, you can say, that's good. Or I want some more. Or give me some of that. Mm-hmm, or whatever feels right. Like nobody's going to judge you. You just go with it. Uh, we like to respond. All right. So we have fun when we come to church. It's not just something you come to and observe, but also something you participate in. So we, we like to have fun. Um, I can tell you're warming up right now. It's feeling good. It's feeling good. And I want to just hit on that uh, note that you heard in the announcements that next week we have G101 going on. So if you're newer to the church and you haven't yet really been to that class, that's something that you need to take as your next step. It'll help you figure out how to get plugged in and serve and really understand what's going on around here. And also next Sunday, we're doing water baptisms. And we just talked about baptisms a lot in the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't been baptized in water, that's, Je- that's something Jesus told us to do. He said, believe and be baptized. So sign up, um, invite your friends and family and take that next step in your faith. It's going to be a blessing to you. Today we're starting a new series called Modern Family. Modern Family. The modern family is also a messy family. All families are messy because people are messy, aren't they? And Christmas time accentuates that fact. It's a fact. Um, the modern family faces struggles, I think, that other families throughout history have never had to even worry about today. You know, we have in one household multiple careers going on with different career paths that sometimes conflict. Uh, there's a lot of things to juggle in this world today. You got to worry about what your kids are doing on their smartphones. You can't even shelter them properly from the world. It's a difficult situation. Today, this first week, I want to talk about messy marriage. Modern family is messy, and marriages can be very messy. They are the foundation of the family, but they can become messy. Now, some of you, you're on your first marriage. You've been married to one person, maybe for a long time or a short amount of time. Maybe it's going great, and I want to encourage you and just say, we're so proud of you. Keep going. I know it's not always easy, but your marriage is an example to our community of what's possible when you have a God-centered marriage. Maybe like a lot of people, you're on your second or third marriage and you're dealing with all the different messy aspects that go on with that. I mean, all families are messy, but sometimes, you know, you gotta deal with steps and exes and multiple sets of in-laws and busy vacation holiday schedules where you have to balance who goes to what home for what meal. And it can be difficult. There's these awkward family dinners we have to deal with and you can't even get away from your family family in this day and age, they'll just FaceTime you if you move away, you know? (laughs) So family is tough. Marriage can be tough. And every stage of marriage comes with some degree of messiness. Maybe you're in the pre-marriage stage where you're single and maybe you're just really worrying about who to date and who to marry. You want to marry someone, um, but you're not really sure. You're waiting. Uh, I want to encourage you. This message is for you. If you're single, the best time to work on your marriage is before it begins. You can work on your marriage right now before it even begins and build a strong foundation, which you'll be able to build your future home on. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a good marriage and I'm so happy for you. I want you to know your marriage can get even better. 
It's time for you to go to the next level. You can take the next step. I believe your future marriage can be better than your present marriage is today. So don't settle in. Don't get comfortable if you're in a good marriage. Don't take it for granted and just say, well, we're in a groove, right? This is the way we've always done it because a lot of times a groove will become a rut if you're not careful. Maybe you're in a messed up marriage and you're wondering if there's still hope for you. I want you to know that there is still hope and you're not alone. There are a lot of people who are dealing with mess in their marriage. And they come into church sometimes and they think they're the only ones and they don't really want to admit it. Sometimes they're embarrassed that, you know, the word might get out. But let me tell you, don't be ashamed if you're in the middle of a messed up marriage. You're not alone and there is still hope. We have counseling that's available to you. And a lot of the counselors were also in messed up marriages. So they're qualified to help you deal with that. (laughs) Or maybe you're post-marriage. And you were married, but now you're divorced. You're trying to figure out what that looks like. You're wondering what happens and why it happens. Maybe you're ready for that next marriage. Or I'll say this, even if you've been married to one person your whole life and it was the best marriage in the whole world, eventually one of you is going to die. And then you're going to be left with that mess. And some people handle that a lot better than others. So wherever you're at, whatever stage of marriage you're in, whatever degree of marriage you're dealing with, uh, there's mess that we all have to deal with. And I want you to feel better about that. So I want you to know that Jesus' family was also messy. It really was. We're going to talk about it in the coming weeks. And I want you to understand that the parents of Jesus Christ had a messed up marriage. That's right. Mary and Joseph... We call them blessed, but their marriage was also a hot mess. You should understand this. I'm going to read you from Matthew 1, verse 18. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hello! Uh, Joseph, to whom she was engaged was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet from the Old Testament. The prophecy said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So you can see that this marriage began in a very interesting way. Now, my wife and I, we're blessed to have a great marriage, mostly because she's so awesome. When we were starting out, remember that first Christmas season came and we were engaged and I was going to buy her a present and I knew that, you know, I needed to make a good first impression. I felt a lot of pressure though because my wife is like an epic present buyer, okay? I had no idea what I was in for, but I knew, okay, I can do this. I'm going to find something. And I got her a present. I felt pretty good about it. And I went to wrap it myself. 
And it wasn't necessarily pretty. Like I was wrapping it and I was folding the paper and I knew I wasn't doing it right. I didn't have any clear tape. So I just used blue painter's tape for my garage. <laughs> so there's a picture I think you can see of that. Uh, it, it, yeah. In fact, when I was like, hey, do you have a picture of that? She had to go find it in one of her scrapbooks. And in the scrapbook, it said, precious. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I have to confess now that it's been some time. I kind of knew what I was doing. Like I knew I'd go, I would go into this like, oh, shucks. Like I don't really know how to wrap a present, but I knew it was pretty bad. Like it wasn't my best effort. I knew I could probably only do this about one time and then it wouldn't be cute anymore. It wouldn't be precious. So she liked the present. You know, we had a good Christmas. Uh, we had a good time uh, and, and I think she enjoyed it. So it worked out well, but I thought that this present kind of exemplified marriage in some ways because people don't come together as nice, neat, tidy packages, do they? We got a lot of mess in our lives. We come together and we got expectations, disappointments, past wounds and baggage that we're dealing with. But then we come, we get married, wedding day happens, we get dressed up, we slap a bow on that hot mess of a life and call it a fairy tale. And then we get surprised when it's rocky. Joseph and Mary, they were blessed, but they had a rough marriage too. And their marriage began in a difficult way. Maybe you came today and you're like, man, my spouse has some mess. That's why I'm here, help them, you know, help me, help them. Man, well, I think that this passage and this story of Christmas can be an encouragement to you. We see with Joseph and Mary, they got this thing kicked off in a very unusual way. They were engaged to be married, but then it changed. The situation changed. Uh, Mary was the original star of 16 and Pregnant. Uh, I can just imagine how that conversation went down with these two. They've been engaged for a little while. I'm sure the courtship was progressing nicely. And then uh, Joseph got a text like, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, what's up? What's going on? Mm, I'm pregnant. What? You're pregnant like he knew that did not happen with me. <laughs> so he's probably thinking like, well, who's the father? And you can just imagine when Mary had to say, God? Like Joseph is probably, come on, no, tell me the truth. Come on, tell me who, what really happened. I know that this was a crazy situation. It was dramatic. It could have been like a reality TV, Real Virgins of Bethlehem. It would have been a great story. Mary wasn't just facing gossip. I mean, she faced possible um, exile from her community. If Joseph had made a big deal out of this, it was very frowned upon being pregnant and unmarried, especially in this day. In fact, it's even possible she could have been killed if she would have been accused of promiscuity. Maybe you're one of these couples where your marriage began in a really rocky way. And from the very beginning, you felt like you were failing before it even began. You wanted to rip each other's heads off. And a lot of newlyweds would kill each other if they weren't also sleeping together. And that's why God designed it that way. You know, sex is kind of like the glue that gets you through those first couple of years. Like, hey, you're not so bad, you know? 
but Joseph and Mary, right, they got engaged and they're in the middle of this situation. But what we read is that it said they did not have sexual relations until her son was born, which is pretty rough to think about. You know, they were trying to do it God's way. They hadn't had sex. Mary's virgin. And they're probably looking forward to the marriage, the, the wedding day. But then that all happened. So it says they did not have sexual relations until her son was born. And I mean, for Joseph, this would have been really tough. He was dealing with a lot. You can just imagine he comes back from his honeymoon and his friends are like, bro, how was it? And he's like, we talked a lot. And he, he was the first one to say, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. But he was actually telling the truth, you know? For nine months, nine months. That's crazy. A lot of women I hear about, they get pregnant. They maybe have a rough pregnancy. Sometimes they get like a little resentful to their, to their husbands. Like, you know, you did this to me. You just did the fun part and left me to deal with this for nine months. Like Joseph didn't even get to do the fun part. She couldn't use that line on him. He's just waiting and dealing with this messy situation. So I think now you understand why that passage said that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. That guy was a man of God. I think he should be the patron saint of sexually frustrated men. You know, help us, Joseph. Uh, so, <laughs> some guys be praying to Joseph tonight. I guarantee you that he was freaking out. He was probably going through a lot, really stressed. God had to send an angel to calm him down. We read the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. And that is good encouragement for you, no matter where your marriage situation is at and what it looks like. I want you to know, do not be afraid. It is so easy to allow fear to creep into your marriage and fear can poison any marriage. It can poison your marriage before it even begins. If you're single, and you're wrestling with fear that you'll never find the right one, you might be tempted because of fear to get into a relationship with someone that you really don't want to marry, trust me. Or maybe you've been married for a while and your relationship has kind of settled in to the status quo and you're afraid that it's never gonna get better or it's never gonna change. And, and maybe you're thinking, this isn't what I signed up for. Or maybe you've been married for a while with a messy marriage and you're afraid, you're afraid that it's never going to get any better. Ultimately, a lot of divorces stem from fear. Fear, people say, I'm afraid. They don't always articulate it like this, but they'll, they'll say, I'm afraid that I will not be happy. And that's why a lot of people, they cheat on their spouse or they leave their spouse. I want you to know, don't be afraid. I know Joseph was afraid. He was afraid, first off, that Mary was crazy and a chronic liar. Then he was probably afraid, well, what will people think? He's probably afraid of this messy situation. You know, this is not the life I signed up for. This is not going according to my life plan. I'm a simple guy. I, I don't want to be in Real Virgins of Bethlehem. I'm a carpenter, you know, I, I'm more of an HGTV kind of guy. Like, I want it to be simple. And fear can lead you to either rush into a bad decision or to bail on a messy situation. 
And fear could cause you to miss out on something incredible that God wants to do in your life. So for, for you, if you're, if you're single, your mess might be this season of singleness and you're frustrated and you wanna be married and it, to you, it feels like a mess and you're just trying to figure out who to marry and, and what do I do and where do I go and, and, and what, what is this gonna look like and it's hard to trust God. Maybe if you're married, uh, you might be in a good marriage, but it can be dangerous if you allow yourself to slip into the same old, same old. Or if you're in a dangerously rough marriage, I want you to know, don't be afraid. It might be messy right now, but I need you to hear this encouragement that miracles happen in our mess. When we're in the middle of the messiest situations in our life, that is when God tends to show up and work his greatest miracles. God loves to work through a messy marriage. I've met so many people who had terrible, rocky marriages, rough situations, and then they saw God work a miracle and bring restoration. He loves to work in and through messy marriages. Recently, I think it's like this. I got a letter from my HOA that said I needed to plant winter grass in front of my house or else I'd get a fine. So I called my landscaper and I was like, hey, I need you to plant this grass. They came, they cut the old grass down, they planted the winter seed and they fertilized it. I was ready for pretty winter grass. I was not prepared for the smell of the situation, okay? Because that fertilizer, it was a mess I could smell. Let me just say it that way, right? Like there were flies everywhere. It was a mess, but let me tell you that over time, the smell started to fade and the grass started to grow and this mess turned into something that was beautiful. And I think that is how it is with a lot of messy marriages. God, he can take your stinky pile of mess and use it to fertilize the soil of your life where he wants to bring about a great miracle that goes beyond any of your hopes and dreams. Some of the best marriage advice in the Bible is written not to married couples directly, but to the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 2, I think this is a great passage for you in your marriage. It says this, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And this is good, right? Be, be patient, be humble, be gentle, make allowances, understand like, man, you're going to mess up and I'm going to mess up. But because we love each other, we're going to show one another grace as God has shown grace to us. We're going to be united in the spirit of God building our lives together in peace. This is why it's so important if you're single to marry someone who is also a believer in Jesus and has accepted Jesus as their Lord. You need to find a man or woman of character like Joseph, single people. You need someone that will stay when it's easier to walk away. Joseph faced a rough situation, but because he was a righteous man, he stuck, he stuck in there. He stayed put where God called him. Ladies, I want to encourage you especially, do not date a man who does not love God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He can't handle you. And he doesn't deserve you either. 
You need to hear that. It says in Genesis chapter two, verse 24 about marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hopefully, and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Right? So that means, you know, you're going to take your life and you're going to join it together with someone else's life. And you're no longer spiritually two people. You're now one person. So if you're a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus and your soul has been regenerated, turned from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You can't combine yourself, your spirit with someone else who is still spiritually dead and expect anything other than disaster. If you're married and it's a good marriage, it's time for you to take your marriage to the next level. It can get even better. I wanna show you this kind of concept of, of the marriage triangle. Maybe you've seen this before. Basically this marriage triangle of awesomeness shows us that as we both in a marriage relationship pursue God and grow closer to God, we automatically grow closer to one another. A lot of couples are very confused why their marriage isn't working the way they hoped it would. It's because they're not focused on the right thing. They'll, think, they'll use language like, well, we're walking through life, hands in hand. It's a walk to remember, just like the movie, so romantic. But the problem is sometimes one person will wander off in another direction because they don't remember the vow they made to love one another for better or worse in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. But if you both stay focused on Jesus and pursue him, you won't have that problem. If Jesus is your focus and you pursue him together, you'll be, as Ephesians 2 said, united in the spirit. But it's a journey, right? It's, it's glowing, growing closer to Jesus together and you're gonna make mistakes along the way. So don't become resentful towards one another when you make mistakes. Uh, you don't wanna have unrealistic expectations of your spouse. Otherwise, you'll become resentful in your marriage and that's dangerous. This marriage triangle kind of helps us see the illustration that we should pursue God together. And let me take this moment to point out that it's a triangle. There's no room on there for either of y'all's moms. So leave her out. It's not a square. It's a triangle, right? Just you two and the Lord. So your homework, your takeaway from this is I want you to go home as a married couple and ask each other this big question. It's a dangerous question, but it's going to help you. Ask one another, what can I start doing, stop doing, or do better to improve our relationship? And then share and be honest and don't respond too quickly. Like you already had that answer, right? Like, but use this as a way to show each other that man, I, I am invested in this and I'm willing to work on this relationship. And even if we're not at a place we wanna be right now, we can grow together. But it's important that as you grow closer to God that you both pursue God. If one person pursues God while the other person lags behind and leaves his spouse out in deep space orbit, you have problems. I want you to understand the marriage orbit. The marriage orbit is this. Our lives as a married couple are supposed to revolve around God at the center of our universe. But what happens is sometimes one spouse gets very close to God while another spouse is way out there in deep space. Right? Might both say our lives revolve around God, but they're in very different orbits. And so it's very tough for their lives to sync up. 
I had to practice this because it's like patting your head and rubbing your belly, right? Like you can, you can try it when you go home. Uh, and so you'll wonder, right, if, if you're both not pursuing God together, you'll wonder why is it so difficult? Why does it feel like our lives aren't in sync? And if you're the one in your relationship who is closer to God, you need to allow God to fill you up so that you can pull your spouse closer to the Lord through positive influence. Some marriages are so messy because God's not even at the center of your universe. Some people put something else in the center. Maybe you put your kids in the middle of your universe and your marriage revolves around kids. If you do that, you are guaranteed to self-destruct because eventually that foundation is gonna get pulled out from underneath you when your kids hopefully leave home, amen? Some of you have struggled in relationships your entire life because you've been at the center of every marriage relationship that you've ever been in, right? If you put yourself in the center of your universe and allow God to just be another role player in your relationship, you are gonna have major problems. Some people put their spouse at the center of their universe and your life revolves around your spouse. And that's why you're so consistently dissatisfied with your spouse because you put your spouse in a position that only God can be in. You're, you're hoping that your spouse will love you in a way that only God can love you. He or she will never live up to the standard which only God can meet. You will crush him or her with those expectations. So if your marriage is struggling, you might need to evaluate, is God at the center of our marriage? Are we both pursuing him and drawing closer to him? Let me ask you, are you self-centered in your marriage or God-centered? If your marriage is stuck, you might need to change positions there and get God at the center of your relationship. Yeah, we can, we can amen to that. You'll be surprised what God will do when you put him at the center of your relationship. So maybe you're wondering, what does a God-centered relationship look like? Okay, well, that's when both husband and wife are unified in their understanding. Not as for me and my house, but as for we and our house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to make God's mission our mission. We're going to serve faithfully. We're gonna bring our kids to church faithfully, not if they just feel like getting up in the morning on Sundays. We're gonna sacrifice to reach the lost. We're gonna put God first in our finances. We're gonna make God's purpose our purpose. You understand, when God's the center of your marriage, your family's purpose is not to make each other happy or build your legacy or create wealth. A God-centered family says, our purpose is to glorify God by enjoying him fully and loving each other and building his kingdom. So you put God at the center of your relationship and watch how it transforms into something that surpasses all of your expectations. I think sometimes if you're in a messy situation, it's helpful to remember that you're not the first one. You're not the first one. Joseph, I think of, was in a messy situation. And it helps to think about that. It helps to remember. I remember what the angel said to Joseph. He showed up and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Nothing is in the Bible by accident. 
Maybe you missed it if you were reading this passage, but earlier in this chapter, we skipped this part. People usually just glaze over, their eyes gloss over as they read the genealogy of Joseph from Abraham through David all the way to Joseph. It's not a coincidence, I think, that the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. I think that the angel knew that Joseph could draw strength from his great-great-granddaddy, David. Where you see, tucked up in there earlier in chapter one, in verse six, it says this about the lineage of Joseph. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Now, I don't know if you know the Bible or not, but there is a whole lot of drama in that little sentence. (laughs) Right? David was married to Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah, but she became a widow when David killed her ex-husband, Uriah. They first had an affair, committed adultery. Bathsheba got pregnant. David lied about the situation and sent Uriah off to get killed. He had him basically murdered to cover up this sin in their lives. And then this marriage went forward from that point. It began in this messy, broken state of sinfulness, adultery, murder. You thought your marriage was messed up, right? But I don't think that this happened by accident. See, because David had multiple wives and he could have chosen God to send his lineage down and have Jesus come through the line of any one of these wives who he had kids with. But he chose to have Jesus come through the line of Solomon. And this was the child that David and Bathsheba had together after all this mess that was in their lives. It's almost like God did this on purpose, right? It's almost like God knows what he's doing. It's almost like he wanted us to know that he could redeem any situation. It's like he was saying that this messed up situation with David and Bathsheba, it exemplifies the condition of sinful humanity that Jesus came to save but that through this messed up situation, God, he was gonna work a miracle. And it's encouragement for you, no matter how messed up your marriage is, God can work a miracle in your mess. This is encouraging news. You say, man, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. Well, guess what? God shows us just through the lineage of Joseph that there is nothing you can do that will take you too far from God's love. There's no mistakes you can make which God cannot turn around and redeem for his purpose. He has a plan for you. And if you'll put your life in his hands, he will restore you and do something that blows your mind. If you'll trust him, if you'll say, God, I'm gonna put you at the center of my universe. I'm gonna give you my life. Jesus came and he was born into this world, but he eventually grew up and he died on a cross to pay the price for messy sinful men and women like you and me. He paid our price for our sins on that cross, but he also rose again, showing us that there is life. There is life for you no matter what situation you're in, and it's available through Jesus Christ. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I wanna just encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a messy marriage. I know there's many people here who are. It's not too late. There is still hope. Your marriage can get better. If you'll both just ask the Lord, if you'll say, God, I want you to come in and do a miracle here. Maybe you know, I can't fix this situation. The good news is that God can. And I wanna encourage you to pray 
and ask him to begin to transform your marriage, I believe that he'll begin to do that right now through the softening of hearts and the conviction of sin. Maybe someone will realize I've been selfish in my marriage and I need to start to sacrifice and serve my spouse the way that Jesus serves the church. I believe that God wants us to have strong and life-giving marriages and that's available for you too. Maybe you're here and you say, I am not even a Christian. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know I've done things that are wrong. I'm not proud of and I've sinned, but I want to be forgiven. You need to know you can be forgiven. That's the reason why Jesus died. He died to pay the price for the sins that we would commit so that we would be able to receive forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus, that we could become a part of God's family And because Jesus rose again from the grave, we can rise again from our sinful death state that we're in right now spiritually. So maybe you're here and you're ready to take that step of faith and invite Jesus into your life, accept him as your Lord and King, and to ask him for the forgiveness that he wants to give you. That's an amazing gift that you can receive this Christmas season. I'm gonna invite you just to pray this prayer with me yourself. If you need to accept Jesus for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, just pray this, say, God, I know that I need you. I've messed up, I've sinned, and I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I believe he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I wanna follow you for the rest of my days. Help me to do that. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We're so excited if you took that step of faith today. It's the most important decision that you will ever make in your entire life. And you should be filled with joy right now if you just took that step of faith. We wanna celebrate with you and recognize what God has done in your life today. So I'm gonna ask you on the count of three just to shoot your hand up. We're not gonna embarrass you, but we just wanna celebrate with you. One, God loves you. If you pray that prayer today, get ready to shoot your hand up. Two, welcome to the family. Three, just shoot it up. It's awesome. Thank you guys. It's so amazing. We're so excited for what God's doing in your life. That's incredible.